Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. We will be continuing our conversation from yesterday, and we hope you enjoy. I can't help but think about um, it's a dark show, so I'll, I'll caveat it with that. But I've been watching Billions. Me and my wife have been watching Billions, and uh, and we're on season five. And this show's about like the you know this this uh, U.S. attorney um, who's played by Paul Giamatti, and uh, he's he you know his arc rival in the show is played by Damian Lewis, and he's this billionaire. And and the whole show really it's fascinating. It's a fascinating uh, show that really shows. Uh, it's it's it really shows what the value of power um, and money, if that's your ultimate value, does to the human soul. Because you know, Damian Lewis is this billion, this multi-billionaire. He owns this hedge fund, and and um, and Paul Giamatti's not doing bad himself. And his whole his whole world is wrapped up around trying to you know trying to crush Damian Lewis's abuse of power by 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 misusing power himself. Right. And then Damian Lewis's ultimate goal is, is basically just, he's, he's constantly, even though he's, you know, he grew up in poverty and he's, he's constantly fighting this, this complex of like, I've got to be the, I'm never going to be impoverished again. And I'm, I've got to be the most powerful alpha, you know, in, in the world. And in watching the show, what's fascinating is, all of their relationships around them suffer. Mm-hmm. Um, the closest relationships with them, they're, they're working so much that they're not seeing their family, so they have to pay people to take care of their kids. And, and they're both, they both become divorced. And, they, and so the relationship with their spouses, the relationship with their kids, the relationship with their coworkers, all of them is, are strained. And at the end of the day, when you watch the show, because it, it, it is dark, you kind of ask yourself, you know, because so many of us think we think you know if I had this if I had that if I if 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 that that thing that you know temporal thing if I had it whether it was like you said a job or or a relationship or whatever if I had it then my life would be good but this show uh, really skillfully unpacks that reality right and it's obviously not a Christian uh, based show but but it, it but it uncovers this reality that. Even if I have it all, I have billions of dollars. I can, I can, you know, fly a helicopter to go eat dinner. I mean, which is what this guy does multiple times. Starts all yeah. these business, just ridiculous wealth. He's still so unsatisfied with right. his life. Yeah, and it's just a fascinating reality that. Um, what made me think of that is just when you were talking about, you know, we we think a job or we think these temporal things. Like, if my relationships suffer, I'm just going to live my life yearning. And scratching and clawing for something better, and it just seems like that never really makes people happy, right? Because they have the wrong root desire. They're going after something. It's they just think that the solution to their problem, one is money, the other is power. Mm-hmm. So it's it's kind of realizing. It's, but it also is nice because it, it what it does is if if you got if someone's listening saying like oh then you shouldn't go after money. Well, like it's okay to make money. It's fine to make money. It's also like yeah, money's pl- not a bad thing. The no. Bible doesn't teach money is a bad thing. The Bible teaches like the love of money is right. the root of all. Not money is the root of all, but the love. Mm-hmm. So it's like us. That's actually right. We are the ones that are screwed up. Yeah, that's what we do with it. Yeah, there's four types of people in the Bible uh, when the Bible talks about money. There's the righteous and unrighteous rich. 
and then the righteous and unrighteous poor, mm. which means that you can be poor and be righteous, and you can be wealthy and be righteous. So the amount of money you have doesn't dictate how righteous you are. It, these are choices that you make. And also power, the, the, the desire and drive for power to do things, to influence things, also isn't wrong either. If we think about who the most powerful man to ever walk the face of the planet is Jesus. So is power wrong? No, it's what we use with that power and why we want that power. So if you want to have power, if you want to be in a position of leadership so I can in, like, inflict my will on others instead of to serve others and love others and make it empower others to do good things. It's what we do with that power. It's what we do with that money. And that's one of the cool things about that show is each of us deep down, this, we're, we're speaking to men often on this podcast, we all have this deep desire to, it's like, I want to make more money so I can help protect others. Right. Or I want to be in, in roles of influence and power so I can help others. That's a righteous way to look, look at things. But we all know somebody right now in the back of our head, we're like, man, if that guy got that position, it's going to suck for us. Because that guy doesn't have power in a right spot because his most important thing is to be in power, not be in good standing relationships with others to then use the power that God gifted him with. The yeah. same is true with money. If I just make more money and make more money and make more money, I'll be happier. That never works out. Money makes things, some things easier, but doesn't make them always better. Yeah, I mean, often it complicates things. Yeah. Especially whenever it's our focus. Like it's, we think it's going to make us happy because in the moment, if we think that ultimately money is going to satisfy us, the moment we get it, we're just going to want more. Yep. And mm -hmm. so it's like you get this momentary dopamine hit to your brain. And then the seconds later, it's like, oh, shoot, I need more. I need it again. I need it again. Mm -hmm. Yep. The competitions that we have with ourselves, the competitions that you have right now today with money, it's like, oh, I need a, a little bit nicer boots. Like that might, or I want to drive a little bit nicer car. That will always and be forever your battle if having the best or having the most is your ultimate goal and ultimate desire. Like how empty would that be? Walking around like that is it. I need to do that because guess what? It will never be enough. Yep. But the joy, like, I guess the, the hope behind all that is realizing that, like, if I am in a healthy relationship with God, and what that means is, being, is no, knowing that he wants to be in relationship with us. He doesn't, ha he, like, he doesn't have to. He wants to. He chooses to be in relationship with us, which means he values us. Yeah. Not the things we provide or the things we do. He loves us despite. He loves us in spite of our stupid because he wants to be in relationship with us. And that's, that's him modeling what is most important. Like the, Jesus did not die for us to make more money. Jesus did not die for us to be more powerful. He died for us as people because he wanted to be in relationship with us. So that's why we model it for each other. That's why Jesus modeled it for us. Yeah. You know, one exercise that I would encourage all of us to do um, this week, just let's, let's put this, this is one way that we could probably put this exercise to test is... If you, if you pay attention, right, you'll notice that most of your, if not all of your anxieties are around yourself, <laughs> what you need, what you want. Um, it's always about, it's typically, unless you're like, unless you're like in a crisis in this moment, your anxieties tend to revolve around what has happened in the past or what's going to happen in the future. And what ends up happening is we can get into this cycle of just chaotic thought patterns. And it's really selfish at the end of the day, right? Because we're just hyper-focused. 
I mean, it's a, it's a trauma response. It's also just a habitual, habituated behavior of someone who's lived in survival mode, right? We're constantly, how, what's tomorrow going to look like? And, oh, my gosh, I feel shame about the past or guilt or fear. Mm-hmm. Um, but I guess the exercise I would encourage all of us to do this week is intentionally do something just good and kind for someone else. And, and, and I think a lot of us, we, we might do this, but we don't pay attention to it. Do something intentionally kind or good to someone else and, and take inventory. You know, write it down. I'm not saying you have to write it down, but take inventory on how it makes you feel. Because I would bet you that that is so much more rewarding than you getting that little thing for yourself that you think is going to make your life better. Because I think that models the way of Christ. And there's something amazing that happens to our souls, in our psyches, in our emotional world when, when we get out, outside of our own self and we can, we can focus on making others' lives better. There's something beautiful that happens. Yeah. Hmm. I just think of myself and I just, I think of all my anxieties because I, I, I can, I'm somebody who can deal with anxiety and um, it always revolves. It, it, I typically make, make it, make the problem a bigger deal than what it really is. And it can just get so self-absorbed if I'm not, aware, if I'm not intentional. And on my best days, I'm able to, you know, take some quiet time usually in the morning and quietly reflect upon God's goodness. Where is God at right now in my life and be centered on, you know, how can I, how can I make the most of God of the Lord today in my life? How can I, how can I serve the people that I've been entrusted to lead? And that, that perspective tends to lead me to way more joy than than just than just trying you know than worrying so much about about myself right it identifies the things we actually can control and highlights that what we are only really responsible for is our response to things so think thinking about like well I can't or fixating and thinking an awful lot about how I've been hurt in the past or how I hurt someone else in the past. And in that fear for the future, there is nothing we can do about the past. That doesn't mean we ignore it. It means we understand it and how it affects our story and how, and how it affects how we respond to things. Because in the future, like in the next five, 10 minutes, there's going to be something you're going to have to respond to. And if we understand that I am only responsible for my response in any given situation, it really lessens the amount of anxiety we have. Because if you can't control it, why fixate on it? No, we can think about it, but it shouldn't, the things outside of our control shouldn't control us. We give things outside of our control permission to, but if but that's a choice that we make. We are choosing to give up control of something we have full control of which is how we respond. Right. So if someone yells at me, it's on me to, like for something that I didn't do, it's on me to respond in a way that's calm, collected, um, and explaining it instead of if someone yells at me, well, I'm going to yell back. 
because I don't like how it made me feel. So I'm going to make that person feel the way I feel by yelling back. So that's not the right way to respond. It is a response, but the only thing I was actually responsible for was how I responded to that person yelling to me, yelling at me. Not, I'm not responsible for why he yelled at me. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Relational Recovery Podcast. The current conversation will continue tomorrow. We'll see you then.